Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Well, amen and amen. Isn't it, This is a fun day, isn't it? I was When I say I was this close this morning to wearing a Hawaiian shirt, I, I mean, I literally was like between what I'm wearing now and a Hawaiian shirt, and I thought about doing it because it would have been awesome, right? It's like negative 450 degrees outside. Would have been great, but I was like, I just don't want to be cold, uh, and so this is what you get. But these are, my, these are my people. These are the proud and true Minnesotans that are like, bring it on. Mother Nature, I'm not scared of you. I'm coming to church. It's going to be awesome. Uh, before we jump in today, I do want to kind of just clarify something. You might be thinking, like, I thought Derek was our pastor. Like, what did I miss? Uh, here's the deal. Uh, within our denomination, there's something very, very strategic about a congregation needs to vote their pastor in. That way, if you had a dictator for a pastor, which I hope you don't feel that you have, uh, it can protect you so you don't have to have this weird guy over uh, this church. And so basically the window to that vote is coming up very, very strategically. So what that means is I know some of you guys aren't like annual business meeting. Yes, finally it's here. I can't wait to be a part of the business meeting. It's my favorite event all year. However, if you are one, if you are what I we consider a voting member, that means that you've went through membership class. That means you've signed the piece of paper saying, I am an official member of the Bridge Church. We would love for you to make sure you're especially there to, so we can have that vote. Now, full disclosure, if you are not an official member, but you are a part of this church, I'd very much encourage you to come and be a part of this meeting uh, because it is cool to see uh, what God did in 2023. We look back on some of the, the different things that we can measure and look at, but it's also a great time just to share, where are we going? Where, 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 where's the bridge going to go? You see in a room like today, on a, on, a, on a day when it is cold, it's full in here. Like, what, like what's the plan? Where are we going? What's the dream? I'm able to share a lot of those things, and so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, and we're going to jump in here in a second. I'll also say uh, we have an incredible pastoral team that does some awesome things. Riley this week uh, replaced the cord for our projector to fix some issues. And clearly you can tell it's working really well behind me. And so uh, basically, if I'm, I'm going to put it up to the team. If it becomes a distraction, because I know it can be like, whoa, another flash. Uh, we can just yank that cord. And if you want to follow along with me, we're going to be reading out of one passage alone today. So that's all going to go well. But. It's cold outside, so I figured what better time to bring up my golf clubs, right? I know that's what's all fresh on everyone's mind is golf right now. Do I have anyone in here who enjoys playing golf? Seven of us. Fantastic. Okay, so not many people like golf. What you might not know about me is I really enjoy playing golf. It's something I look forward to in the summer. It's something every time I have a chance to get out to, I really look forward to. Uh, I love playing golf. What you also might not realize is I'm not very good at golf. Uh, I enjoy playing it, but I am not very good. And uh, what's interesting about golf is the whole concept of golf is relatively simple. You get this ball in that hole. Very simple, right? But those who play golf know that's not golf. Golf is very, very interesting. It's very, very complex. There are some days you're like, man, I am figuring this thing out. I, I hit the ball well today. I'm doing great. I might, you know, if I just tried hard enough, I might have a chance at the tour. And the next time you go out, 
takes an extra 20 minutes to get home because you just swing by hole seven and pick out your sand wedge out of the pond because you chucked it in there after you sailed over the green four times, right? Golf is a very humbling sport. Just the time you think you got it figured out, you don't. And uh, it made me think this week because I have a very vivid memory of playing golf with my family. See here, at three years old, I had a golf club in my hand, like a little Fisher-Price plastic set when the golf ball is this big around and you can't break a window. That was in my hand at three years old. My parents dropped me off at golf league at eight, nine, ten years old. We loved playing golf as a family. Uh, again, the problem was I never really got better at eight years old, nine years old, ten years old. So when I was 12, we were spending some time in North Dakota working on our duck shack, and uh, we decided to play golf while we were out there. Now, it's not quite Augusta, but it got the job done. And so we're out there, and it was one of those rounds where, you, you know the round, where you go out there and you're looking forward to playing golf, and after the first hole, you're like, why did I come out here? Because it was one of those kind of rounds. Every single shot I hit was 20 yards about this high off the ground. And you have to understand, I didn't love Jesus at 12 years old. So there were things that came out of my mouth that shouldn't have came out of my mouth at 12 years old. It was one of those kind of days. And by the third or fourth hole, my dad's like, Derek, you got to fix your grip. And I'm like, no, dad, I don't. My grip's fine, but thanks. And so then the next hole is like, oh, I'm going to show my dad. My grip is just fine. So here I go. I come up to the tee, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to crush this ball so hard that my dad's going to be proved so wrong, and it's going to be awful. So here I go. I get up there. I tee my ball up. I take some time. I take a deep, big, deep breath. <sighs> Prove dad wrong. Prove dad wrong. Prove dad wrong. Here we go. Kind of, I kind of fixed myself. And when I say I swung the hardest I've ever swung, I mean it. They probably felt the wind behind me as I did it. And I crushed it. I mean, I made pure contact. I crushed it. The problem was, is if I lined up this way, I crushed it that way. I mean, it went straight right in a hurry. It was a horrible shot. And I was, I, I, I boiled over. I went ballistic. And my dad didn't say a word. Any parents in the room, you know, you, you've seen this meltdown before. You're like, today? No. Yesterday? Yes. Uh, it was one of those kind of situations. And then on the next one, he's like, Derek, can I, just, can I just show you something? Can I just? Sure. Show me whatever you want to show me. I, it's, it's clearly not working. And so he's like, you got to fix your grip. He goes, give me your hands. So he takes my hands and he puts them together like this. And he goes, okay, well, now, now I'm going to lay the club in there. Now clamp over like this. And when I grabbed it, this thing was probably as good of a two by four. I mean, it felt so foreign. It felt so weird. But he goes, just trust me. Okay. Just trust me. Just humor me. Just, just keep your club held like this. Walk up to the ball. Just swing super light. Don't try to crush it and just see what happens okay, dad, whatever you say. This isn't going to work, but sure, you're my dad. Why not? So there again, here I am. Try not to freak out. Do the thing. Okay, swing, swing calm, swing slow. And sure enough, I came back and I hit the golf ball, the purest, best I have ever hit the ball in my life. And I was thinking to myself, shoot. Because now, once again, my dad has been proved right. But I also was ex extremely excited because I, I did well. I was like, well, that was kind of fluky. Let's see if it works again. Sure enough, held the club the same way. It worked again. I was so nervous to, like, 
get it wrong, I literally walk around the course like this, like not letting go of the club, because whatever it's doing, it's working really, really well. And I found out, sure enough, like when you hold the club the right way, it goes a lot better for you. But I share all of that to say because the deal is when you do something that is foreign, when you submit it's uncomfortable, there's a process that is very, very challenging. When you step into it, you're like, I don't like this. This feels weird. This feels foreign. And all of a sudden, like, it can be very, very difficult to stick with it. It can be very difficult to kind of stay with what's going on because you want to naturally revert back to what feels comfortable. You see this in sports all the time. When a coach tries to correct form, tries to correct something, the athlete tends to revert back to what's comfortable because when you are doing something that is foreign, it takes time. It takes time to finally go through it. And the reality is, is while in that moment it felt like I was holding the club so weird, it felt so uncomfortable in my hands, over time the more I did it, all of a sudden now when I walk up and I grab my golf club and I grab my, and I grip at everything correctly, it doesn't even feel weird. It feels natural. It feels common. It, It would feel more weird to hold it wrong at this point. And I say all of that to say the correlation between golf and prayer, I know is not a seamless one. As a matter of fact, it's a very weird one, especially if you're not a golfer. But the deal is, is when I look at prayer, when I look at what it looks like, I think there are so many parallels to my experience because for some people, prayer is really uncomfortable to you. You come to church and you bow your head and we pray as a church and that's all great. But if you were to say, I, I've never prayed out loud before, I've never prayed for myself, that just feels too uncomfortable. That's a fairly common thing for people around here in our church even. Prayer can be uncomfortable to some. Other people are like, you know what? Like, I, I'm good with the idea of prayer. I don't know how to do it, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with it. Same thing with golf. Not that I'm against golf. I just don't know how to do it. Some people are like that. Other people, you are in the spot just like golf where it's like, I know I'm not going to golf because I know it's not going to go well. And I know I'm going to feel dumb. I'm I'm not going to like it, so I'm not going to golf. And I think as much as it's, it's crazy to say, sometimes prayer can feel the exact same way. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to go through this. And all these things are which is why I'm so excited for this series about prayer. Because here's what I do know. Regardless of how prayer feels to you right now, here's what I know, is prayer is powerful. I believe as we as a church seek God through prayer, we are going to see breakthrough. Breakthrough in your family, breakthrough in your finances, breakthrough in, in, in all kinds of things. I don't know the, the calculus, I don't know the formula, I don't know how it might look, but I do know as we seek God through prayer, there is going to be breakthrough. I also know as we seek God through prayer, some of the fears that have held us back from chasing our dreams, chasing our aspirations, doing what God's called us to do are going to melt away as we are assured of God's presence. I know as we seek God through prayer, there's going to be a renewed freedom. The things that have bound you for so long are going to be removed as you trust in God through prayer. And here's how I know all of that is because prayer changes things. That's not some cutesy Christian mantra. That is something, it is a truth that we see laid out in Scripture. It's something I've personally witnessed, something I've personally seen, something I have personally felt in my own life and in my family's life as we've seen God move in a powerful way. So here's the deal. 
I know for a lot of us, it's not a matter of I'm not on board with the why. I know why prayer is important. I know why we ought to pray. I know why prayer is what it is. It's not a matter of why. It's a matter of how. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray for myself. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how. Or maybe I know how to pray, but I want to go deeper in prayer. I don't know what that looks like. So wherever you're at in this room, if you're brand new to the church, first time in the church, first time walking in, or whether you have been going to church your whole life and you've been praying for your whole life, I believe and I am strongly convinced that today through something that we look at through scripture, you are going to feel empowered, encouraged, and uplifted in this idea of prayer. So if you are excited today, if you're warm today, would you say, let's go. Matthew chapter 6, how do I pray? Directly from the mouth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew chapter six is the smack dab middle of a sermon that Jesus himself was preaching. If you read Matthew five, six, and seven in your Bible, that's actually a written version of a sermon that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And that sermon was Jesus's cornerstone of theology it was what he believed in it's what he went after and with smack dab in the middle of it he talks about prayer and prayer is one of those things he 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 has a lot to say about it because it's a lot of something he did but what's cool about the sermon on the mount is i call it the power of the opposites all throughout the sermon jesus is showing you what's common in culture and how what he calls us to do is almost the opposite of that. Case in point, in Matthew chapter 5, it's not going to be on the screen, but basically he says this, you've heard it said, eye for an eye. Right? We've heard that said in our day and age too, right? If someone smacks you, what do you do? You smack them back. Somebody does you wrong, you get them back. You've heard it said. That's what Jesus is saying. But then he goes back, he goes, but I tell you, if somebody hits you, Offer your other cheek so they can hit that one too. The power of the opposites. He goes on, he doubles down. He goes, you've heard it said, love your, en- or love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Oh boy, is that true. It's easy to love people that love you. It's easy to love people that are easy to love. But it's also really easy to hate people that try to do you wrong. Isn't it? It's easy. To not want to see good things happen to people that make it their mission to do you wrong. Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. You ever tried praying for someone that you really dislike? It's a challenge. And Jesus is going through this whole thing of it's the power of the opposites. He's, he, he's showing you, this is what's common. I'm calling you to be uncommon. I'm calling you to be different because I am doing something different inside 
of you. And he goes on in Matthew chapter 6 to apply that same power of the opposites to prayer. How do you pray? Here's how you don't pray. You've heard it said, you've seen it, the people standing on the corners, sitting in the front of the synagogue, at the front of the church, just saying loud, lavish prayers that are eloquent. And you're like, wow, they sure know how to pray really well. Because spirituality in this day and age was like a mark of prestige. If somebody could pray really well, you kind of were like, I want to be like them. Not just because they were in tune, but because they were special. They were, they, were, they were kind of the people that everyone wanted to be. And Jesus is saying, you've seen these people who get up front and pray. I'm going to get into this more throughout the coming weeks. But basically, in this day and age, you had three times a day that you always stopped whatever you were doing to pray. So there would be people where it's like, I know that prayer time's at noon, some way till 11.50 to go run my groceries so that I just happen to have to pray in front of people, and then everyone's going to see how really spiritual I am. So I can pray really loud. There's all these people who are kind of saying, I'm going to just pray, not just for this connection with God, but I'm going to pray in such a way that people look at me with special. But that's what Jesus is saying. No, 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 that's, that's not how you pray. No, how I want you to pray is I want you to go into your room and pray to God privately. Because that way, it's 100% focused on this relationship, not on this. What you do in secret reveals a lot about your motivation, right? When you do things when nobody else is looking, it proves that you're doing them for no other reason other than the fact that you are doing it for the sake of whatever you're doing. I see this the most at the gym, right? Because the four times a year I go to the gym, I see this. You have some people that I would say, you're, they're focused, right? They know exactly what they're doing. They got their headphones in. They go from, the, from machine to machine. They're, they're doing their thing. They're doing their thing. They're doing their thing. They take some time to rest. Then they go back. Then they, they rest. Then they go back, right? Then they go off to this machine. They do that. Why? Because they want to get bigger. They want to get stronger. Then you have other people. And this is you. No shame. I'm just saying it's a little different. You have some people who are just like, well, that's good. I'm going to text a little bit, go on TikTok, right? This is my favorite when it's like, let me grab my phone. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And then you go home, right? Like, like, like there's that too. Like, it, it's, it's not in here that, that that's bad and this is good. It's just you have different motivations. The people who want to get big and strong, they don't care about what people think about on Instagram because they want to be bigger and stronger for themselves. What you do when nobody is looking revolves or reveals your motivation. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, get alone, not because you need to hide, not because you need the privacy, but when you get alone to pray, it's all about that intimacy with God himself. And that is what you are supposed to pray. When you guys walked in today, we have an incredible staff. As I said, Riley, who ran cords. Bethany, she was working hard this week because I knew there's a lot of content I'm coming at you with today. There's a lot of teaching that I'm going to kind of talk about today. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on. So when you walked in, there was a little sheet of paper that's got my sermon notes on it. You can follow along. You can fill in the gaps if you want to. 
You don't have to fill it out. I'm not going to collect them and quiz you on this all later. I'm just saying, if you want to follow along, it helps keep things organized. But step number one in this sermon today of how do I pray, the first thing you need is you need to find your space. You got to find your space where you can be alone with God. It doesn't have to be the same place every time, but it can be. It's a matter of finding a spot where you can be alone and you can connect with God for you. Sometimes my place is behind the wheel of my truck. I have a 21-minute drive from doorstep to doorstep every single day, and it's a great time where I can pray. There are sometimes I pray in my bedroom. There are sometimes I pray back in that corner. There are sometimes I pray back in my office. It doesn't matter what the space is. It's a matter of this is a space where I'm comfortable, where I can be alone, where I can just connect with God for me, a place where I can just sit in the presence of God. If you want to know how to pray, you have to find a spot just for you and God where you can be real. Okay, going back to golf for a second. So many people get hung up when they're golfing because they think they have to get everything right, right away. I got to get my grip right. I got to get my butt right. I got to get my knees right. And after a while, you're so metallic and you're so robotic that there's no actual rhythm and swing to your game. The same thing is true in prayer, is if you are trying to get everything just right, I got to close my eyes, bow my head, bend my knees, you're going to get it wrong. So you're going to be so focused on trying to do it right, you're going to miss the heart of prayer. So number one, find your space where you can be alone and authentic with God. Jesus goes on. And when you pray in your closet, whatever it is, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. What I didn't know is that there was kind of a a school of thought among ancient ancient Hebrew culture, especially with rabbis. And the rationale was, the more you prayed and the more words you uttered, the more likely God was to answer your prayer. So that's why you see in 1 Kings chapter 18, when the worshipers of Baal are praying all day long, it's not because they're that dedicated. It's because they're convinced that the more I pray, the more likely it is that God's going to answer my prayer. And Jesus is saying, no, no, that's wrong. That's not, you don't have to go on babbling like the pagans. You can just be honest and sincere. Why? Because your father knows what you need before you ask them. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and they love having my attention and my wife's attention to the point that when we are driving somewhere, my wife and I are having a conversation, if I don't answer right away, they keep on going. Dad, dad, daddy, dad, dad, dad. Dad, 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 what? Right? I heard you the first time. I'm just talking to your mom right now, and I sure love you, but I'll get to you in two minutes. We're all been there, right? I'm not alone in that, okay? Jesus is still working on me. We heard him the first time, right? Your father knows what you need before you ask him. You don't have to go on with these long, eloquent beautiful, long, lengthy prayers as a way to get God's attention. He knows what you need. He's a good dad. Just because it's not being answered the way that you want right now doesn't mean he's not listening. And it doesn't mean he doesn't hear you. 
Jesus is calling out this notion that's false, saying you have to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, or else it's not going to work. As a matter of fact, what you have to do instead is just the opposite. You just have to be sincere. How do you pray? Step number two, you have to be sincere, not wordy. When you pray, as you pray, before you pray, just take a moment and just do a little bit of a just self-exam. What I mean by that is, what am I feeling? What's on my heart right now? What am, I, what am I feeling? What am I excited about? What am I stressing about? What am I worried about? What am I scared about? What is it that I've kind of just been fixating on all day long? What is it that's on my mind and on my heart right now? Because a lot of times we get at just like putting those things off to the side. When you go to work, when you go to church, it's like I got a major problem going on right now, but I'm just going to kind of set it off to the side for now. God wants that major problem. He wants that major excitement. He wants all of it. Your father knows what you need before you even ask. The thing about prayer is that you're not talking, you're not praying to someone who's uninformed. You don't have to catch God up and go, all right, God, so here's the deal. Uh, So this is going on at work. This is going on at home. This is going on in my heart. So uh, let me just bring you up to speed as to what's going on. No, he knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows what you think before you think it. He knows what's on your heart. He knows every single thing about you, things you don't want him to know and things you do. He knows it all. And that's what Jesus is saying is you don't need to present yourself when you pray. You just got to be real. You got to be sincere. It's got to come from here, not from here. When you pray, it's got to come from the depth of your heart, the things that are on your mind. Don't have to worry about small talk. Don't have to worry about kind of making conversation and then dropping the bomb on him. You can drop the bomb on him right away as to what is going on. Because if you only come to God with what you think he wants to hear, you are going to be okay with him only answering the things you think he wants to answer. What I mean by that is it's amazing how there's really sometimes really tough things that we don't even pray about. Like, I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to pray about that thing. That's heavy. I'm working, I'm working on that. He wants all of it. He wants every single piece of it because he knows what's on your heart. He knows what's in here. And I think of it as a door. Like, he knows what's behind the door of your heart, but he's not going to bust the door down. He wants you to open it up to him. He wants you to say, God, I want you in my life. I want you a part of every single thing of this. And when you open up your heart, he comes in and he meets you there. Prayer is not about long or short. It's about deep or shallow. I prayed for 20 minutes sometimes, but really prayed about nothing that was actually on my heart. So I was just too nervous to bring this up, too ashamed to bring this up. I've also prayed for 10 seconds, and it was way deeper than any prayer that has been 20, 30 minutes long. Why? Because in that moment, I needed God bad right here, right now. And the prayer was quite literally, Jesus, I need you right now. Please give me wisdom. And let me tell you, the power of that prayer, as short as it was, was profound. Because it was deep. It wasn't long, but it was deep. 
Jesus is saying in this text, prayer is about being sincere and not wordy. It's about getting to the heart of what's really going on. And let me encourage you with this. If you have to pray internally to get deep as a starting point, that's fine. Again, I would much rather you say internally, Jesus, I need you right now. Give me wisdom. Jesus, help me with this. I'd rather you pray in your head than have you not pray at all. Okay, again, it's about how, what works for you, how you connect with God. It's about being sincere and not wordy. Jesus just covered now how not to pray. But now he's going to jump into, here's the specifics of how you should pray. Matthew chapter 6, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is called the Lord's Prayer. Last week, I read a little bit about this and I asked everyone to raise their hands who heard of this. And every, almost every hand in the room went up. You've heard this before. Maybe you haven't, but a lot of you have. Maybe you grew up in a traditional church setting. Maybe you went to religion class. You've heard the Lord's Prayer. But what you might not realize is that this Lord's Prayer was actually mentioned twice in Scripture in two different instances. I just read you Matthew chapter 6. Last week, I read you Luke chapter 11. It's the Lord's Prayer. They sound very similar, but they're not identical. Why? Because they were talked about in two different instances. This was Jesus talking to a group of religious people early on in Matthew chapter 6. Luke chapter 11 was when he was just with his disciples. And they asked him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And what the Lord's prayer is, is it is a template. What do I mean by that? The Lord's prayer was never meant to strictly be read verbatim every single day as your sense of prayer. How do I know that? Because in Matthew chapter 6, it's a little different than Luke chapter 11. The same bones are there, but the words are different. And the best way I can explain it is this. When you're in elementary school and you're learning how to write your name, what do they give you? Do they give you a blank piece of paper and say, write your name? No. What do they give you? They give you one of those little kind of checkered outlines of letters, and you take your pencil and you follow the checkered line to know how to outline your name, right? My son Ellis just brought this home. On a sheet of paper, they have like the little lines, and they have a little checkered E, a little checkered L, a little checkered L, a little checkered I, and a little checkered S. And with his pencil, he goes over those lines to figure out how he moves his hand to write letters for his name. It's an outline. And that's the exact same thing the Lord's Prayer is meant to be. It's not meant to be a stencil. It's meant to be a guideline. So let me break that down. How do you pray? What's the outline? What's the guide? It goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first part of this outline is praise. Praising God for who he is. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a weird word. It's only mentioned twice in Scripture, both in the Lord's Prayer. But it basically means to be set apart, to be sanctified. What it means is God is set apart from everything else. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's more holy. He's more intimate. He's more all-knowing. He is set apart. 
So when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, what we're saying is, God, I thank you for who you are. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times when I pray, it's easy for me to be like, I, just, I, I need this answered. So I pray for the needs. But this is all about praising God for who he is. The second one is this, intercession. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. A lot of times we come and we pray, and it's like, God, would you help me with this? Would you help me with my finances? Would you help me with health? God, would you, would, would you, would you be there for the situation, for the job interview, for, for the doctor's appointment? And that's all great. We're getting to that next. But Jesus makes a point to, first of all, thank God and praise God for who he is, but then to pray for his will to be done. Why? Because his will is the best. It's not the easiest, but it's the best. The night Jesus was betrayed, the night he was in the garden, he knew he was about to be crucified, mutilated, going through horrific pain, spiritually and physically. And because he's human, he's praying, saying, God, if you can take this away, please do it. But not my will but your will be done. Your will. When you are praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, you're saying, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want. So whatever you want to do, do it. And I'll follow. It's a powerful prayer. A scary one, but powerful. And my encouragement with that is this. God's will is not always easy. It's not. Sometimes he calls you to do things that are difficult. But mark my words, when you follow his will, incredible things happen. Not just for the world now, but for eternity. We gotta be praying for his will to be done in our lives, in our family, in our church, in our community. It's intercession. Number three is provision. Give us this day our daily bread. God does care about your finances. He does care that there's heat in your house. He does care there's food in your table. He does care your kids are right. He does care that your relationship's right. He does care about your marriage. He does care about your job. He cares about everything because he cares about you. So when you pray a prayer of provision, you're asking God to meet my needs that I need. And it creates a healthy reliance upon God himself. Number four, we're almost done, everybody. Forgiveness. Verse 12, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespassed against us. When you pray, Jesus, I've messed up. I've got it wrong. God, I, I forgive us. Forgive me of my sins. You're released from that guilt. You're released from that condemnation. You're released from that because he died on the cross and he died so that no matter how much you sin, no matter how bad it is, he can take it away and you can live a life that is free. Prayer of forgiveness is powerful. Then the last one is this. What's the last part of the template? Protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your life looks like. Satan is relentless. And he wants to see you fall. He wants to see your family fall. And you don't have to look over your shoulder and be scared of him like the boogeyman, but you have to be aware of the fact that as much as God is real and wants the best for you, 
the opposition wants the opposite. So when you pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You're welcoming God into your life, saying, God, keep me from falling into sin. Keep me from falling into temptation. Keep me from stumbling upon the things that tempt me. And you're welcoming God into that very thing. Church, I'm not just up here preaching because pastors talk about prayer. I'm going through all of this because I so believe in prayer because it changed my life. It changed my family. I have seen God do incredible things. Things I can't even begin to, just miracles, medical, miracles, financial, miracles, relational. I've seen it personally. I've read it. I've heard of it. God moves. God does things. He is not some absent God who's distant. He really changes things in a powerful way when we pray. Not because we have the power, not because it's reliant upon us, but we do it because when we truly seek God and welcome him into our life, he goes, all right, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to do something awesome. And when you have the mind to look for Jesus, you'll see him moving in some profound ways, ways you maybe didn't understand before. So the last part, if you forget everything else I just said, forget that, if you forgot that, if you take nothing else away but this last point, I'd be okay. How do I pray? Point number three, converse with God. That's what prayer is. It is a conversation with the Lord Almighty. You don't have to have to come up with all these words, oh, Jesus, you are magnificent, you are omniscient, you are all-powerful, omnipotent, I thank you for who you are. You don't have to do that. You don't have to impress him. You have to be real and talk to him. I'm so fortunate that I have people in my life that I can walk up to and just say, this is what's going on. This is the situation. This is the good. This is the bad. This is the ugly. You're never going to believe this. This happened. Isn't that awesome? I have all the different emotions that I can go to these people in my life, whether it's my parents, whether it's my wife, whether it's my friends. I can go to them high and low and just talk. Easy. Why? Because there's intimacy there. And it's just a conversation. And that is what prayer is meant to be. It doesn't have to be rehearsed. It doesn't have to be articulate. It has to be genuine and sincere, a true conversation with God. And understand, sometimes those conversations will get a little rabbit trailed, okay? There are times I sit down to pray, and I'm praying. And all of a sudden now, my mind's thinking about, do I start Brees Hall or Austin Eckler in my fantasy football lineup? And do I want honey pepper wings or honey barbecue wings? Oh, shoot, I'm praying. That's right, let me jump back in. That's okay. It's a conversation. He gets it. There are times when I can't slow my mind down enough to pray. So guess what I do? I'm not a journaler per se, but there are times I grab my pen, I write my journal, and it's just an absolute mind dump. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm excited about. And I dump as a prayer to God. He sees it. He knows it. He can read. It's not about the technique. It's about the heart. So church, I'm going to continue to come back to this, but here's the deal. It's about you conversing with God in the way that makes sense for you. Don't get hung up on the technique. 
of how long and what to do. What do I do with my hands? What do I do with my eyes? It's a conversation. It's sincere. Take that template home with you. Read it. Do it. Make it your own. But make it you connecting with God. And here's why I'm asking you to do that. Because when we see God as a church, we're going to see some cool things. At the end of this sermon series, I'm kind of giving you a teaser. We're doing something called a Blitz Week. Where as a church, we are going to pray and seek God in a powerful way. We're going to pray certain things. We're going to have a night of prayer. We're going to open this place up and ask people to come and join with us in prayer. We're going to pray and pray and pray and pray. Pray through things, pray over things. But it starts with you praying individually and privately with God. And understand, everybody, it might feel weird at first. But I encourage you to push through that weirdness. Because after a while, it's going to become natural. And you'll find yourself falling in love with prayer even more. I don't care if it's out loud. I don't care if it's internal. I don't care if it's 20 minutes or 20 seconds. I don't care if it's eloquent and beautiful or if it's raw and just words. I don't care, but make it sincere. Make it real with God. It's not going to be weird. And the more you do it, the more you'll find yourself enjoying it. Jesus delighted in prayer because it was time with a loving Father that he loved. So I encourage you, take that piece of paper home. Find time this week to pray, to seek him, to go after him, and watch what happens. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God who sees us. You are a God who knows us. You are a God who is fighting for us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are an all-powerful, incredible God. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you. And God, I pray that your will would be done in this place. I pray, God, that your will will be done for the Bridge Church. Whatever it is you have for us, we surrender to you, we give it to you. I pray the same thing over our community, over our town. I pray the same thing over each person in this room, each person listening online. I pray, God, that your will would be done in their life. And when it gets difficult, I pray, God, that you would step in and wrap them in your arms. Father, I pray that you would provide for the people in this room. Would you be with their finances? Would you be with their health? Would you be with their job? Would you be with their family? Would you be with their marriage? Jesus, would you provide for the needs spoken and unspoken in this room? And God, I pray that you would please provide for us in a whole new and powerful way. Jesus, I pray that you would forgive us for when we fall. I pray that when we mess up, you would be there to pick us up and we would not be defined by our sin, but we would humbly and sincerely ask, saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Make me new. And God, as we go out into this place, as we go into another week, may you lead us not into temptation. Would you deliver us from evil? Keep us from that temptation. Fortify us, keep us strong, and help us step into it with joy and excitement. Jesus, you have some powerful, great plans for this room. I know you do. I pray as we seek you, we would find you as we find you, we would find ourselves in it. Lord, I worship you and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. I'm excited.
I'm excited to see what God's going to do through our town, through our everything. It's going to be awesome. So have a blessed week. Go Cowboys, and we'll see you guys next Sunday. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.